Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis Podcast. Our teaching teaching team is made up of men and women women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion. To which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand expand in faith, faith, hope, and love. love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because because they they anchor us in something something which can can hold us, us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. Our reading is from Matthew 13, 1 through 9, and then 18 through 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on a path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. If you have ears, hear. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root but endures only for a while, and when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this age and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields it yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty and another 30. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Mom. And thank you again to all of you for being here today and those of you that are joining us at home. We appreciate having you be part of this community as well. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. We are in the season of ordinary time. For those of you that are relatively new to Genesis, we follow what's called the church calendar and the revised common lectionary, which follows the rhythm of said church calendar. Ordinary time's the largest season on the church calendar. It stretches from Pentecost all the way until Advent, which starts a new church calendar year. It's 26 Sundays, and I believe we're in the seventh Sunday of ordinary time. So it's almost, it's basically half the year. 
Uh, and that's a good thing because it's the time we focus on discipleship. It's the time that we use to focus on what it is we are supposed to do. What is our purpose in being followers of Christ, in being ordinary apprentices? And that takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. So we have a lot of time to do that work. And during ordinary time, focusing on discipleship, focusing on our apprenticeship, we focus on working with the Spirit in partnering with God's plan for re renewal and restoration of all creation. God wants to work with and through us in that plan of renewal and restoration. And part of renewal and restoration is new life. And new life, new growth requires seeds and it requires soil to plant those seeds in and it requires a sower to tend to those seeds and to that soil. And that brings us to today's portion, which is the parable of the sower. A little background parable of the sower is Matthew chapter 13. There are basically five discourses. This won't be on the quiz later, I promise. There are five discourses in the gospel of Matthew, five sections. And chapter 13 is sort of its own section. It's called the discourse of the parables because there are eight parables in that particular chapter itself. And the parable of the sower is the first parable we find in that chapter. It's also one of only three of those eight that Jesus actually bothers to try and explain. Thank you very much, Jesus. So it occupies a special place. Now you may notice in your liturgy there that there's a section taken out, that verses, was it 10 through 18, are pulled out of this lection. Why is that? Well, what we have is this structure of the, Jesus telling the parable and then sort of a sidebar or a cut scene if you're a very video game person of the apostles asking Jesus, why are you teaching this way? And Jesus explaining why he teaches that way. And then he cuts back to explaining the parable of the sower. So the lectionary just wants to put all the parable of the sower stuff together and set that other piece aside. Now, if I had 45 minutes, I don't, right, Rebecca? I don't have 40, no, I don't have 45 minutes. I don't have, if I had 45 minutes, we could dig into the whys and the what fors of parables, but I just want to say one thing about it. And that is one of the points, one of the reasons that parables are important, that Jesus teaches in these parables. Remember, a parable is just a story using, that uses allegory and uses metaphor to try to lead the reader to a specific point, right? to a specific idea. And the reason that Jesus teaches this way, or one of the reasons Jesus teaches this way, is because it requires engagement from us, the audience, from the people that were listening to him and from the people that are reading it lo these many thousands of years later. Why is that important? Why is engagement important? Well, think about your drive to church today. How many billboards did you pass? God could, if God wanted to, write a message on every single billboard across the world but we pass by them and we're so passive in our engagement with them that we barely even remember what was on any of them, right? But with a parable, with a story, with this idea that it's almost a riddle that you have to figure out that requires you to engage, that requires you to lean in, that requires you to think your way through it. And when you get to the point, man, it really lands. It really sinks in. That's the point of parables, right? And you see that in verse 9 where Jesus says... Uh, if you have ears, hear. There's some translations that will uh, render that, let those with ears hear. That's what he's trying to say. If, you're, if you want to understand this, you're going to have to lean in and you're going to have to engage and you're going to have to think your way through it. I'll even try to explain it to you and you still have to lean in and think your way through it and try to engage and understand what's going on. That's the point of using a parable. So, parable of the sower. I am not a person that generally likes three-point sermons, right? That's just so incredibly cliche. And then you come to the parable of the sower, and it's a three-point sermon because <laughs> and there's just no other way to do it, right? I mean, you have, you have th well, there is that. 
There is if it ain't broke. There's three basic elements to this story, right? There's the sower, there's the seed, and there's the soil. It just sort of sets up that way. So that's what we're going to do is, is explore each one of those things because even though we have Jesus in the second portion of this scripture explaining this to us, saying, here, this is what it means, he does so in a way that still invites us to engage, that still invites us to dig in and really see what else is there. And we like to do that here at Genesis. That's one of the ways we study scripture. I'm not going to go full midrash on the bit, but we do like to dive in and walk around and wonder and dream and think about what Scripture could mean and does mean and all of those things. And that's what we're going to do with these three things here today, okay? So let's start with the sower. Who is the sower? There's an obvious answer, right? Jesus, in fact, it's so obvious, Jesus doesn't even bother to say, here's who the sower is. It's just implied that it's God, right? Clearly, God is the sower in Jesus' story. God is, the sower is God the Father who has planted the seeds of the kingdom from the very moment of creation. The sower is God the Mother who tended to the garden and anointed us as stewards of creation. The sower is the God that has planted seeds of the kingdom from the very moment of creation and promises that at the end time we will reap a harvest of that restoration and renewal, of the planting of those seeds of the kingdom, that there will be a harvest, be it 100-fold, be it 60, be it 30, whatever. There will be a harvest. God is sower. But is that the only way to read this passage? I say no. What if, what if Christ is the sower? Now I'm cheating because I'm playing with the mystery of the Trinity and God the Father and God the Son. And, okay. But who was it that came to announce the arrival of the kingdom? That was one of the persons, one of the points of Jesus' incarnation, right? Who is it that planted in, their, in his followers the seeds of that kingdom, that planted in and asked them to go out and spread those seeds. That was Jesus, right? Who is it that inspired countless generations before us and continues to inspire us? People who don't have any desire to be part of Christianity still like Jesus when they read about him. Why is that? Because he's there inspiring us and planting seeds in us and we see those seeds spread. Jesus can be the sower as well. In fact, by virtue of even telling this parable, what is Jesus doing? He's sowing. He's sowing seeds in his followers, and he's sowing seeds in those of us who are reading these words all these years later. Jesus is the sower. God is the sower. Jesus is the sower. But are those the only way to approach this? No. What if, what if we are supposed to be sowers as well? We talk all the time about God wanting to work with and through humanity, right? God wants to work with us, through us, to help bring about that restoration and that renewal. Well, doesn't that mean that even as God plants seeds in us, we are to be planting seeds ourselves? As God pours his love and grace and mercy and forgiveness into us, we are designed to overflow with that love and that grace and that mercy to other people. That's the whole design of the thing. Well, if that's not having seeds planted in us so that they grow, flower, drop more seeds, which grow more plants, which grow more flowers, which drop more seeds, which and on and on and on. If that flow doesn't match up, I mean, if you can't see that, I, I can't help you. Yes, God is the sower. Yes, Christ is the sower. And yes, we are to be sowers as ordinary apprentices of Jesus. You see the layers here, right? Which brings us naturally to the next question, which is, what is the seed we keep talking about? 
right? Well, in verse 19, I'll read that quickly. The very first part of verse 19 says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, this is Jesus speaking, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, and then he goes on to talk about the elements of the parable of the sower. So he's clearly announcing that the word of the kingdom is the seed. That's what he's saying. And when we hear that word, it's not just about understanding the meaning of it. It's understanding it as a call to action. That we're supposed to do something with that. We're not supposed to just understand, oh, Jesus is talking about planting seeds in us and then we grow the seeds and that's it. It's not a passive thing. It's an active thing. Yes, the seeds are growing in us, but they're growing in us so that we can spread the seeds ourselves. Yes, the word of the kingdom is the seed. But is that the only way to read it? I'm going to get annoying with that today if I'm not already. Uh, <laughs> what if Christ is the seed? Well, now hold on a second. I just said Christ was the sower. How can Christ be the sower and the seed? You can't sow your... Hang with me. There's mystery. Just work with me. I want to... It's that word, word, that I want to focus on for a minute. Anytime I see that, I start thinking Gospel of John. Why? I'm going to read you the first few verses of the Gospel of John. John is one of my favorite Gospels, and these verses I could read on a loop endlessly and I would never get tired of them. John opens his Gospel saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overtake it. The Word was God. All things came into being through Him. That's seed, folks. Jesus gives us, or John gives us Jesus as the living Word of God. The Word of the kingdom that Jesus has come to spread is Jesus Himself. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 2 that Christ lives within each and every one of us. So that seed of the kingdom that is Christ is planted in each and every one of us. That seed that grows and flowers through faith and drops more seeds and grows more plants and more flowers and more seed. And you see how that flow just goes on and on and on. Christ can also be the seed. And that's not the only way to look at it. What if how we live as ordinary apprentices, how we live our lives, how we live out our faith is also seed? If we are to be sowers, if we are to spread God's message of love and grace and forgiveness and peace, if we are to spread that message, then what we do, how we live, is just as important, if not more so, than the things we say. I can stand up here and preach, correct, as I do scare quotes, theology, until I'm blue in the face. If I walk out the door and I don't live it out, then my words are nothing. They're wind. They're a noisy symbol. They don't matter. How we live is what shows the rest of the world who we really are. When we show love for one another, we inspire or we create the opportunity for others to be inspired by those acts of love and act in love themselves. Now, that may sound simple and that may sound kind of naive, but think about the whole concept of paying it forward. Have you ever been in line in a caribou and you pull up to the window and somebody says, the person in front of you paid for your coffee? What do you do? Pay for the person behind you, right? And it goes on and on and on and on, hopefully until it reaches somebody that's having a really, really, really bad day. And you know what they really just need is a free coffee. 
and we bless them with a free coffee. Those kinds of acts of love, simple acts of love, selfless acts of love, help inspire others to do the same. How we live plants seeds in other people that grow and flower and drop more seeds and on and on and on. How we live can be the seed. So yes, the seed is the word of the kingdom. And yes, Christ came to remind us of the kingdom and remind us of what that seed's supposed to grow into. And how we live, how we demonstrate our understanding of that seed is how we are also sowers of the seed of God. And that brings us to the final of the three. If God, Jesus, and we as sowers, we have the word of the kingdom, we have Christ, and we have our actions as seed, and that brings us to the soil. Now, the soil is usually the focus of this uh, parable. Often when this parable is preached, first, pe- first place people go is that soil. In fact, I saw one commentary that referred to it as the parable of the soils, <laughs> thinking that it's so important. And the natural question that's almost always asked when you focus there is, what kind of soil are we? Jesus presents four options, right? The hardened path, the rocky ground, the soil among the thorns, and then the good soil, Right? So the question is, what kind of soil are we? Are we the hardened path where the seed doesn't get a chance to penetrate and so it has no effect at all? Or are we the rocky ground where the seed you know, starts to sprout but can't you know, establish any roots and so it comes along and it's baked by the sun and dies? Or are we the soil among the thorns where the sprout comes up and the thorns immediately choke it off and kill it? Or are we the good soil where the seed actually does get to make itself rooted and grow and bear fruit and bear a harvest? What kind of soil are we? I think that's the wrong question. I do that a lot around here. I think it's the wrong question. Because I think when you think about it, we all at various times of our lives have been all of those four different types. I know I have. Many of you know my story to varying levels. But when I was a kid, I grew up in the Catholic Church. And I asked an annoying number of questions. And God bless those poor volunteers. I was just told over and over and over, stop asking questions, just believe. And I wanted no part of that. And so I left. And I spent my late teenage years and all of my 20s turning into a very, very arrogant agnostic. In fact, I remember this conversation I had with my folks where I declared, apropos of nothing, I just declared that the only thing religion was good for was starting wars. Now, at that point in my life, I wouldn't have distinguished between religion and faith. Now I would. And if I distinguish between religion and faith, I'm still not entirely sure I'm wrong. But I, didn't, I wouldn't have made that distinction back then. I would have said religion, faith, whatever. I didn't want to hear anybody talking to me about faith. I wouldn't give it two seconds of my time to let it try to sink in and plant and do any kind of rooting within me. I was the hardened path for that period of time. And then in my late 30s, when I finally started coming back to faith, there was some rocky groundness to it. I loved the idea of a personal relationship with God, I wanted no part of a community relationship with anybody. I didn't, I didn't need to be planted at a church. I didn't need to be part of a community. I says the pastor, hello. <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't. I, I wanted this relationship. I wanted to listen to whatever sermons I wanted to listen to, and I wanted to you know, go to whatever church on a different weekend I wanted to go to, read books, whatever it was. I was in control. It was me and God. That was... And then I landed at Genesis. And I found out what community means, and I found out how crucial it is to be connected to a community, the kind of support, the kind of love, the kind of things that can only happen in a Christian community. And I went, oh, okay, now I get it. And that saved me from being that rocky ground at that point in my life. 
And then I went to seminary. If you can make it through five years of seminary without the thorns attacking you, good luck. (laughs) There were so many times over the course of those five years where I found myself going, what am I doing? What am I doing? Can I really do this? Can I really handle this financially, practically, whatever? I mean, what am I doing? And I'm not being hyperbolic when I say every single time I found myself in that headspace. Every time somebody came along from the church community, from my family, from my friends, from school, without knowing what they were doing, they would say something to me that I heard as God saying, you know what, Dan, you're doing the right thing. You're right where I need you to be. I know it's hard. Just keep going. It's going to be okay. And that saved me from those thorns. And I'd like to think that now I'm pretty good soil. I'd like to think that God has planted seeds in me and they're sprouting and spreading. I'd like to think, I mean, it depends on the day. I have bad days. But I'd like to think that that's where I'm at. And I think all of us can go through our life and find times where we're all four different kinds of soil. So can it really be about, is the point of this parable really just try as hard as you can to be the good soil? Really? Isn't that, a, isn't that a works-based salvation? Isn't that what that is? If boys and girls just try to be as good as kids as you can be, and, and the big guy who should let you burn in hell for all together, all you know, forever, well, maybe he'll let you into the good place if you're, if you're really, really good. I mean, sure, three out of the four different kinds of soil aren't going to make it, but boy, if you try really hard, you can be one of, that, one of those four. Really? That can't be what it is. That can't be what it is. Here's the question that I think we need you to focus on. Here's what I want to do. I want to read the parable again, and I want you to have this question in mind. You don't necessarily have to read along with me, but have this question in mind as I read the parable. Does the sower change how they sow or how much they sow, depending on the kind of soil that they are sowing? Does the sower change how much they sow or how they sow, depending on the kind of soil? All right? So here's what Jesus says. Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on a path, and the birds came up and ate them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, but they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Does the sower change how much they sow or how they sow based on the soil in front of them? I think the obvious answer is no. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Say more. Isn't that strange? Like, why would a sower, like, throw, like, practically speaking, yes. why would somebody throw seed into thorns? Or a, into rocky ground? Will's nailed it. Will's nailed it. Why, why would somebody sow ground that isn't ready for the seed yet? Thank you. Because Matthew answers that question a few chapters earlier. When... He says in chapter 5, and I'm paraphrasing, that God loves as the sun shines and as the rain falls indiscriminately on everybody. Because there is abundance, because God is infinite and God has no, there's no bag of seed that God's going to run out of. (laughs) Right? God sows whether the soil is hard, whether the soil is rocky, whether the soil is thorny, or whether the soil is actually ready for the seed. God was sowing in me in each of those four instances even when I wasn't ready to hear it. And he's doing that for every single one of us. Nate. You said how the, you, could, you could tend the soil so you could the There you go. Till it up so it's no longer. What's the sower's job? To take out the rocks. 
to move away the thorns, to soften the hardened path. That's the job of the sower. God sows whether the soil is ready for it or not. And if it takes 10 times, if it takes 100 times, if it takes 100 times, 100 times, God continuously sows the seeds of the kingdom despite the nature of the soil. And Jesus continuously reminds us of the presence and the purpose of that seed. And we, as sowers, Genesis, we as ordinary apprentices ourselves, can continuously live lives of love and grace and peace and mercy and forgiveness. And let that be seed regardless of the soil we see in front of us. It's not about whether we deserve it, and it's not about whether anybody we encounter deserves it. God is continuously pouring that love and grace and mercy and seed into us so that we can pour it out to everybody else. Amen? Amen. We are sowers of the seed. God is, sower, God is the sower. Jesus is the sower. We are sowers. The word of the kingdom is the seed. Christ himself is the seed. How we live is the seed. And no matter what kind of soil we find ourselves in, we can rest in the assurance that God will keep sowing so that we can keep sowing for those around us. Amen. Endings are a place where life is Thank you for listening to the Genesis Podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any, any questions, questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.